Hey guys, this past Sunday, Tiffany brought a message about understanding the times we're currently in. And she gave us a battle strategy based on two prophetic keys, dying to ourselves and thanksgiving. I invite you to pray into this and ask Jesus to reveal what he wants that to look like in your own life and also in our church family. God bless. First Chronicles 12, 32, one of my favorite verses, it says, talking about the different tribes of Israel. When it says of Issachar, the tribe of Issachar, there were men who had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. 200 chiefs and all their kinsmen under their command. And I know a lot of us have heard that scripture. We're familiar with that scripture, but I want to launch with that this morning. I apologize. I'm losing my voice. <clears throat> saying too hard. <laughs> um, <clears throat> Because I believe what the Lord is wanting to bring to us, this is kind of a family message. This is a, this is a new song message. And he's wanting to bring to us an understanding of the times that we are in right now. And it's not just for today, but what he's going to give us today is actually going to carry us into the next season. So, in January... Our leadership team was given a prophetic word, not specifically to us, but we were made aware of a prophetic word that had been released that talked about the seasons of the year. And it, it divided the seasons of the year into different strategies. So for the winter, there was a certain strategy for the household of God, for the spring, another, for the summer, another, and for the fall, another. And when we read that word, specifically as a prophetic team, it really resonated with our spirits. And so we've been praying into that word ever since January, really keenly aware of the fact that this year it has been broken up into specific seasons by the Holy Spirit. And the winter was a season of preparation. And what I'd like for you all to do this next week, if you can, thank you, Pam, is take some time to dive into Joshua um, specifically chapters 1 through 6. Because I believe that that chunk of scripture really correlates with these seasons that the Lord has broken this year up into. So winter was a season of preparation. What that looked like for us as a leadership team was Joshua 1 and 2. It was a commissioning of us as a church, commissioning of us as leaders. It was a reminder of our identity. It was a cleaning house, so to speak, a preparing, getting rid of everything that doesn't belong. Um, we did a lot of fasting and prayer in the winter. <laughs> Um, we're all a little leaner than we were back in January. Um, the Lord has really had us in a place of preparation, preparation through the winter. An increasing of our faith. That was another thing that the Lord was doing during the winter. Really meditating on, declaring, and chewing on God's promises. What he had spoken over us in the past, what he was speaking over us in that season. So there was a lot of meditation on the promises of God. Then when spring hit, this word that we were really um, kind of building on was defining spring as a time of marching forth. So March came and we were marching forth, so to speak. And I believe that that correlates with Joshua 3 through 5. It's very interesting. I was doing some study on Joshua 3, 
four and five when spring hit. And, and when Joshua and the children of Israel actually crossed over the River Jordan, that was during the spring of the year. It was during the time that the, the banks of the Jordan were overflowing because all the water was rushing down from the mountains as the snow was melting off. And so they were going forth to go into their promised land in the springtime. And I believe that that was very significant for us as a body of believers, as a, as a house church and as the network of house churches, that the Lord was saying, it's time to get up. You've been preparing. You've been fasting. You've been praying. You've been meditating on my promises. You've been reminding yourself of who you are, who I've called you to be. Now it's actually time to get up and begin to take some steps of faith. Now, we all love steps of faith because they're so risky, <laughs> right? But I believe that in this season of spring, that's the season that we're in right now, that the Holy Spirit has actually been speaking to us as leaders, but more than that, as a church, as a body, as a company, and saying, it's time to risk. It's time to actually believe me for what I have spoken to you, and not just sit on your backside and think it's going to come to pass and I'm going to drop it in your lap, but actually go forth and begin to take it. Increase your faith, children. Increase your faith, beloved. Begin to believe me for what I have spoken and then act accordingly. Mm -hmm. So interestingly enough, this is how that prophetic word describes spring. And we as a leadership team have really begun to see the Lord calling us to do this. Moving towards our promises, that's a really big component of this season. So I, I want us to pause before I go in. We've got a lot of scripture to read, but I just want you to think even of one promise right now that the Father has spoken over your life that has yet to come to pass. I want you to hold that promise right now, and I want you now to begin to partner with the Spirit and begin to declare God's faithfulness over that promise. This is the season that we are stepping towards the promises of God being fulfilled. Summer, and this is where we're going to stick for the rest of the message. Summer is a time of warfare and possession. Warfare and possession. Now, wouldn't it be nice if we just got to possess and we didn't have to war? <laughs> yes. <laughs> but as we see in Joshua 6, that's not the way the Lord usually does it. We see that over and over again. The Lord's been reminding me of the story of Gideon and how Gideon actually had to deal with his fears and go into the battle. And when he stepped into the battle with the strategy that the Lord gave him, that's when the Lord brought confusion to the enemy's camp. That's when the victory was ensured for Gideon. And then he actually had to go and chase after his enemies and hunt them down and ensure that that possession of the land took place. And so this is where we're headed, beloved. We are headed into battle and possession. Hmm. So what does that look like? It looks like contending for the victory that is already ours. That is where we're headed. It looks like overcoming. It looks like taking possession of our promised land. Now, 
in the church, we hear a lot about the promised land, right? We hear different seasons of this is your promised land moment. This is your promised land time. This is the Kairos time. You're stepping into your promise. I believe there are many, many seasons where the Lord takes us into our promise. So it's not just that one moment in life where bam, you come in and everything's yours and you don't have to war anymore. This is another season. This is another Kairos moment where the Lord is saying promises that you have not yet seen come to pass. It's time to contend. It's time to step in and take the land. So as we prepare for what is ahead, as we are in the spring preparing for the summer, I believe this is what the Lord told me to bring to you this morning. We must have a battle strategy. We cannot go into battle without a battle strategy. Okay, and this is exactly what the Lord did for Joshua. As you take time to dig into the word this week in Joshua, you will see that the Lord showed up with Joshua and said, here's what I want you to do. I'm not just sending you into the land without a plan. Now, we all know the plan was ridiculous, right? Incredibly insane, <laughs> heavenly strategy from the Lord. But it was specific. And I believe that the Lord has given us as a body specific battle strategy for where we are headed. So I want to share that battle strategy with you this morning. Um, can somebody read Joshua 6 verses 2 through 5? And then can another somebody turn to John 12 verses 23 through 26? Joshua 6, 2-5, Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its kings and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times, with the priests blowing the trumpet. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets with the whole army, give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up and everyone straight in. I love how the commander of the hosts, he gives Joshua first, before he gives him the battle strategy, he gives him a reminder of what he's already done. I've already given this into your hands. It's already yours. It's going to happen. So now here are the steps I want you to take to actually see that come to pass. And he's very specific, right? We all know the story, how specific the Lord is. So obedience was key for Joshua to actually see the word of the Lord be fulfilled in his life. As we have prayed about this coming season, as a leadership team, as a prophetic team, one of the strategies that has been resounding over and over again is the phrase, come and die. Come and die. Now, I want us to open that up because I think the Lord has a lot here for us that is going to actually affect many different areas of our life. Who has John 12, 23 through 26? So Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. 
the Lord about six years ago began talking to me about what it looked like to be a person of a hundredfold fruit. And as he began talking to me about that, this, this burning began to grow in my spirit. As I read the parable of the sower, and again, we're all familiar with the parable of the sower, and when Jesus explains to his disciples and he says, here are the different kinds of seeds, here are the different kinds of ground that they fell into. The, the seed that fell into the good soil, it began to produce a crop of 30, 60, or 100 fold. And as the Holy Spirit began speaking to me about that, my spirit began to burn and I started to say, Father, let me be a person that bears a hundredfold fruit. Let my life bear a hundredfold fruit. 30 is good, 60 is better, but a hundredfold is best. And in that passage, it's like the Lord is showing there's this room for choice. There's this room for different yield of crop. There's this room for abundance, super abundance, and infinity abundance, to infinity and beyond, as Buzz Lightyear would say, right? So there's this room for greater abundance. And so my heart began to cry out, Lord, let that be me. Let that be me. Let me bear 100-fold fruit. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what that's going to take, but that just began to be the cry of my heart. And I believe that this passage addresses this. You know, Church, we've been crying out, let us see revival. Let us see the harvest. Let us see your signs, wonders, and miracles. We've been asking God to do mighty, amazing things among us. We've been crying out for the hundredfold fruit. And I believe that the Lord in the last couple weeks has been showing us the key to bearing a hundredfold fruit. Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Come and die. What does that look like? Can somebody read Philippians 3? Let's start with verses 8 through 11. More than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Because of him, I have suffered the loss of all things and consider them as dumb, that's poo-poo, <laughs> so that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ, the righteousness of God based on faith. My goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection <clears throat> Why come and die? What is Paul describing here? He's saying, I count everything as loss, everything as trash, as rubbish, as nothing important, nothing we want to talk about, <laughs> right? I count it all to be like that so that I might gain one thing, to know him through the fellowship of his sufferings and the power of his resurrection. So is this what we've been crying out for, church? We've been crying out to see the power of his resurrection among us, right? We've been asking the Father, Lord, let us see your power. Let us 
experience your power in our lives in ways we've never tasted it before. Let us walk in your power. And Paul is saying, okay, you want to walk in the power of the resurrection? Come and die. Come and share in the fellowship of his sufferings. Come and count everything as loss so that you might gain the one thing, which is to know him and to live in the power of his resurrection. Beloved, I believe this is the key for us. I believe that if we will in the next few weeks as we move towards summer, as we move towards the battle and the possession, I believe this is our key. We must come and die. We must count everything as loss so that we can gain the one thing, so that we can see the power of his resurrection flowing through us. You know, I, I feel like this is so important because we're going to steward revival. Amen. We are going to steward revival. And I use that word steward very intentionally because it takes stewardship. We don't just receive revival. It's not just plopped into our lap and then we just kind of hold it like, okay, this is great, Lord. What a cool gift. We actually have to steward what the Lord is about to put into our hands. It takes intentionality. And so for us to steward revival, we must have resurrection power. We cannot do that in our own strength. We cannot, and hear me well on this, beloved, we cannot do it through momentum. Mm -hmm. We cannot do it through momentum. Momentum will only take us so far and it will peter out. Hmm. I'd like to read this quote I just read this morning mm -hmm. from David Wilkerson. He says, I knew the blessing was not in building not in some well-planned scheme to reach the lost, not in bigness and not in activity. I discovered the hard way that the glory of God, the peace and joy of the Spirit, was in being stripped down, emptied, and made totally weak. God had to expose all my values. He turned his flaming eyes on my soul and showed me I had better reject my old ways of doing things or be lost in a maze of self-imposed activity. I think we can be done right there. <laughs> I really feel the Holy Spirit on this. None of our activity none of our best ideas, none of our good works, none of that will steward revival. Mm -hmm. Only the power of his resurrection working through us will be able to give us the ability to carry the flame and pass it to the next generation and have them pass it to the next generation and watch God do what he has promised us he will do. Only the power of his resurrection. And that means, beloved, we must come and die. We must. It's not an option. So, why come and die? A hundredfold fruit and the power of his resurrection. This is not an act of martyrdom. This is actually an act of faith. This is an act of faith. And I want us to understand how this looks. Somebody read Hebrews 12, 1 through 2 for me, please. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders 
and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Thank you, Jason. Jesus was not a martyr the way we would think of it. <laughs> All right, God, if I can just make it through this cross thing, then I can get to the other side, right? He didn't have that mentality. The writer of Hebrews tells us what his motivation was. What was it? The joy set before him. He was able to fix his eyes on what was coming, on where he was going by faith. By faith, he was able to do that and say, I know where I'm headed. I know I'm going to be seated at the right hand of the Father. I know I'm going to raise a company of brothers and sisters to come with me. So by faith, I will go into suffering. I will lay down my life because there's joy on the other side. And beloved, this is where we're at. As we round the corner into summer very quickly here, God is saying to us as a company, will you fix your eyes on the joy that is set before you, just as Jesus did? And will you follow in his footsteps so that you can walk in the fulfillment of the promise that I've given you? He's our example. That's our first key for the joy set before us. Our second battle strategy in this hour is thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. Can someone read Psalm 100 for me, please? Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. Thank you, Neil. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Last week as I was studying Psalm 118, the Lord highlighted something for me. Um, in verse... Um, 19 of Psalm 118, it says, Open to me the gates of righteousness that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. So I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. And the Lord just began to show me the key is thankfulness. The key to the gate is thankfulness. The key to the gates is thankfulness. Hmm. Now, do any of you remember the Abrahamic covenant, what God promised to Abraham way back in Genesis? God actually promised to Abraham and therefore the descendants of Abraham that he would possess the gates of his enemies. So I want us to kind of put these puzzle pieces together in our mind. The key to coming into God's presence is thankfulness, but the key to the gates is also Thanksgiving, which means we will possess the gates of our enemies as we give thanks to the Lord. Mm -hmm. The Lord gave our prophetic team an assignment a few uh, months ago, and he told us, I want you to go to the gates, and I want you to pray whatever I tell you to pray. And we said, great, Lord. What are the gates? Mm -hmm. We don't even know what that looks like or what that means. <laughs> so we got into the car, and the Lord, just by his spirit, began telling us, go here, go there, go there. 
And we went to certain places in the region and we just began to pray over the gates. We began to pray over the gates of the region. We began to make declaration. We began to praise the Lord and thank him for what he was about to do in the region. And I believe that the Lord has shown me that this is the second key for our battle strategy. We must declare with thankfulness you are good, Lord, and your mercy endures forever. I will give thanks to the Lord for your steadfast love endures forever. Our thankfulness actually acts as a key. Number one, it brings us into the presence. Number two, it gives us possession of the gates of our enemies, those places where the enemy has taken up residence. And once we walk through those places, we will possess the land. Now, for the kids of Israel, the gate of the enemy basically was Jericho. Once they took Jericho, the whole land began to be in fear and trembling of them, right? Everything else was just basically a matter of them walking through and taking possession. Now, we know they stumbled into disobedience here and over there, but Jericho was the key. It was the gate for them, basically. They crossed the Jordan and bam, God gave them that victory. I believe that the Lord wants to give us victories that are going to come about as we begin to give him thanks. Hmm. Now, when Ross and Joel were here a few weeks ago with California Will Be Saved, one of the stories that was highlighted was 2 Chronicles 20. Do you guys remember this story of Jehoshaphat and how he set the worshipers to go ahead of the army? And what did they do? Do you guys remember? I've got to read it because it's so cool. This is what they said. Verse 21, it says, And when he had taken counsel with the people, he, being Jehoshaphat, appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in holy attire. And as they went before the army, they were to say, give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. And when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set an ambush against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir who had come against Judah so that they were routed. Mm -hmm. Victory, victory. The worshipers went ahead and they had one thing on their lips. What was it? Give thanks. Give thanks. Give thanks. Before we see the victory, before we see the possession, we give thanks. This is going to take a mindset shift for us, beloved, because I think most of us, we go into the battle oftentimes cringing and trembling. I'm just going to muster up my strength and I don't know what's going to happen. It's going to be ugly. It's going to be hard. It's battle. It's, I'm going to get wounds. It's going to be painful, right? That's how most of us go into battle. And the father is saying, that is not my strategy. In this hour, yes, you have to come and die, but you come and die so that you can get to the abundance, so that you can get to the promise. So start thanking me for that right here on this side. Start praising me for what I'm taking you into right here, even as you die, even as you lay it down, even as you count everything as rubbish. You praise me. You give me thanks because you're going to see your enemies routed. I'm going to put the key of victory into your hand and you're going to take possession of the gates of your enemies. These two strategies, I believe we're going to see in our lives for individual victory, but also for corporate victory. Mm -hmm. It has to start in our own lives. It has to start with us asking Holy Spirit, how do you want me to apply this? These two keys, as we move into summer, these two keys, 
And then out of that individual victory is going to flow this corporate victory that we're going to walk in. I want to challenge us this morning. In fact, I just want to make space right now. So Holy Spirit, I just say, come afresh right now. I just, I want us to take those things that have felt impossible, maybe coming back to our spring strategy of, of what it looks like to take steps of faith, take steps of risk. Those things that have felt impossible. And I want us to begin to ask the Father, how are we to come and die in the light of those things? Last week, the Lord told me, Tiffany, are you willing to die to your reputation? That's one of my keys in this hour, to die to my reputation. And I believe for each one of us, he's going to highlight the things he wants us to come and die to. For some of us, it's going to be fear, fear of failure, fear of man. Fear of lack. <laughs> Whoa, I really feel the Lord on that one. God has given some of us some really big dreams, some really big commissioning. And he wants to break off that fear of lack from our lives so that we can step into that. Thank but we have to die to that fear. We have to die to that fear. We have to count all that as rubbish so that we might know the power of his resurrection in our lives. We just make space for you right now, Holy Spirit. I just hear him saying over and over that your individual victories will become your corporate victories. Your individual victories will become your corporate victories. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. Beloved, this is not something that the leadership team will do and then carry New Song into where she's going. This is each of us. This is each of us. This is about the overflow from each of our lives. Mm -hmm. We thank you, Lord, for this battle strategy. We ask that you would imprint it on our hearts this morning. We thank you for the victory. We thank you for the victory that's already been bought and paid for. We thank you for the victory that you've already spoken and declared over our lives. We thank you, God, for the fact that we are going to occupy our promised land, God. And we bless you, God, that you are faithful to your promises. Yes, Jesus. Thank you.